All right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Stories of Selling Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith, and I started this podcast because I believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation. It could be business, it could be personal, that requires you to create change. I, I think we all want to be heard, seen, and understood, but the people who get our attention and convince, persuade, or influence us are not just salespeople. I think they're great humans throughout all walks of life that we're drawn to. I'm going to share their stories here so we can tap into what makes us human, practice our human skills, and ultimately, we'll all become better at selling by being human. All right, so uh, this is a, a great human, somebody that I've known for a while through the Thursday Night Sales community. Uh, this this guy has uh, uh, you know, uh, been a startup uh, sales leader six times. Uh, he can, you know, cer certainly now consults with uh, startups, uh, getting them from uh, $0 to 25 million in ARR. He's done it multiple times. He's a CEO, he's a founder, he founds communities. The dude surfs on his free time and, and does that uh, somehow. Uh, I will ask him about that, how he's connected his, his love for surfing, for, for making a little coin and also bringing people together in community. Um, but I have, uh, have the distinct pleasure to have none other than Scott Lease to the podcast. Welcome, Scott. What's up, Alex? Thanks for having me, man. I love this phrase you used about practice being human. That's pretty yeah. good. I'm going to remember that one. It seems like, and I say selling by being human, but it's like, you know, I think we all are, but we forget sometimes that <laughs> we are uh, by the, 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 I'll just say the shit that we do or that salespeople do, or that we all do uh, with each other. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you also get trained to turn some of that humanity off sometimes. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> smooth yeah. out the highs, smooth out the lows. You got to make tough decisions, especially if you're in leadership, maybe you have to let somebody go, like you got to remove humanity sometimes. And so it's a, it's a delicate balance. Yeah. Well, let's just go there. The, the first question I'm asking all my guests recently, and I'm trying to get there where they go with this. And when you hear the term like selling by being human, what comes to mind for you? What does that look like for you? To me, I think it's about problem solving and it's about listening and asking questions. And I think it's about having just a normal conversation. And what I mean by normal conversation is not a super salesy canned kind of pitch and not gimmicky. I'm not a fan of, of these sales pitches that start off with just what you do or begging, asking, can I have 16 seconds of your time? I hate all that shit. <laughs> The way that I sell is I just have a normal kind of conversation. I dumb things down a lot. I don't try to be slick or smooth. I'm just pretending that it's just two people, you know, chatting it up at a bar or whatever, just like explaining, you know, who I am, learning a little bit about what you're going through and dealing with. And maybe I have some insight and something to offer there. And if so, maybe, you know, deals get done. So it's about that to me. It's about the style of, of selling and some of the, the skill sets, uh, you know, required. Yeah. 
You know, it's interesting when you were saying just, you know, I, I just want to dumb it down. I just want to have a, a conversation with somebody at a bar. I've heard it, you know, you know, I just want to be shooting the shit with people. Um, I feel like we get triggered sometimes. Like you've probably, it seems like you've had, I know you ha have to have, if you're on LinkedIn for any given amount of time in any day, you've had to get the other uh, side of the coin where people are, are just, um, you know, just not even one iota uh, trying to get to know you or anything. It's just leading with them. So, um, but people get triggered on the other way when it's like, Hey, like, listen, I noticed this, uh, um, you know, it's not talking about anything about a product necessarily, but just like people, you, you know, it, it hits you differently when someone's like, yeah, you know, um, Hey, really cool. What I saw you do, or, Hey, just wanted to give you props or, Hey, um, thought I'd meet you because X, Y, Z. And it's really about them or that person. It hits you differently than, you know, because we all, we all see the other side so often of, um, you know, join my, um, Hey, we, we help, uh, business owners, uh, do yeah. whatever X, Y, Z. Yeah. And that's the first line all the time, isn't it? So, yeah, know, I could go into my inbox right now and I probably have a dozen of those. It's like, Hey, Scott, we do da 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 for blah 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 businesses like yours. I'd love to get thirty minutes of your time. What? I'm not going to reply reply to that. Nor would I give you my time. It, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, people still do it. It must work somehow. I guess if you send nine million of those messages, the odds are a couple people are going to respond. But it's just so. It's not the right strategy. If it ever was, it's not the right strategy now at all. Yeah. I want to, um, you know, kind of go back to, cause, um, you know, just where you, you know, really realized that this was the way, um, because you, you, you came into sales, you know, fairly late in your career, you went through tons of adversity to, 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 to just start that, that first job, but it seems like you picked on up on things, uh, you know, really with your first job with like no formal training, really that other people weren't. And I'm curious kind of what you, you, you learned from, um, you know, in your book, I read about your, your mom, Kay, who, you know, she, she's a teacher, I think, and your dad, um, you know, none of these people or your dad was a college professor and your mom was a nurse, I should say. So I got that back, uh, wrong, yeah. but, um, so what did you learn from them? Because neither of those titles seem to be sales, uh, you know, jump out at, you know, people think that those are sales titles, but I absolutely think we've had a nurse on the podcast, uh, an RN talk about how she connects with people and how she relates to people around music and stuff like that. So how, did, what did you see from an early age of how they connected to you people around them to maybe, you know, uh, give you a perspective on, on what you think about sales today? Well, my parents are very different people. You know, my mom is uh, very emotional and touchy-feely and <laughs> communicative and all of that kind of stuff. And my dad is the opposite of that. Ooh. He's an accounting professor, keeps, you know, things close to the chest, not super communicative necessarily about emotions and, and that kind of thing. So I, you know, I think that I, like most of us, you, you kind of become some mixture of the environment that you grew up in. And uh, 
I don't think I'm too different. I think uh, there's times where I shut down or tune things out and just kind of power through. And there's other times where I feel things deeply and, you know, have to go through that um, experience. I think maybe that combined with, you know, I spent four years studying human psychology and, you know, TAing and counselor's offices and, and things like that. And I, the dean of the psychology university at my, my school wanted me to go be a therapist because she said, you know, I had a gift of like getting people to open up and, and knowing when to push and when to kind of pull back and be supportive and, you know, just utilizing those kind of listening skills. And, uh, you know, you, you combine some of that with, some of the competitiveness that I have and, and some of the kind of leadership that I exhibited in, in sports growing up playing sports. I played two sports in college for four years. I was the captain of both teams in college. Um, you know, you, you combine those, all those kind of upbringing things and moments, and then you throw in, Oh shit, he's been in the hospital for four years. You know, you mentioned I got started late in my career. I didn't get started late in my career. I started my career late in life. <laughs> it's a better way to put it. Yeah, I never yeah, had a job. I never really had a job until I was 27 years old. Yeah. You know, any kind of career job, right? Um, and I don't know. You know, my my parents never talked about business and never talked about money. It wasn't. Uh, <clears throat> it wasn't something that. I learned from them. It was just somebody told me, Hey, you should try this. And I didn't know what else to do with my life, frankly, um, because I'd been so far removed from academia and things that I was doing before. I just had a friend who was like, dude, you're super competitive and, you know, argumentative and like, you know, exert your, your, I can't remember the word he would use, but like force or something like that to get, you know, to get yeah. your way or whatever. Like you probably could be good at sales if you gave it a shot um, and not having any other options. I was like, all right, let's, let's see what happens. So, yeah. And um, I mean, it's so important. I, and I got names mixed up. So, you know, your, your mom, Angela, your dad, Wallace. And I, I was thinking of Kay because, you know, I was, yeah, she was my book, teacher, your teacher, your psychology teacher. Yeah. And, I like that quote. It said something like understanding people is a way to understand yourself. I think. Yes. Basically. Yeah. Can yeah. you explain what that means? Like how could, how would you want people to, you know, kind of practice that themselves? Cause I don't, I don't think um, people really do the work to really understand the other person and, and think that that actually benefits them because that through that you actually know yourself a whole lot better through that practice well it's super important to have self-awareness as a salesperson as a as a leader i mean you have to know the things that you're good at and the things that you're not good at you know um and you kind of should lean in i think to the things that are your strengths and if you're building a business or building a team you supplement with people who are strong in areas that you are weak. I mean, that's just kind of like team and community building 101. I don't want 
or need 10 versions of me running around. Why do we need 10 cooks in the kitchen? You don't. You need somebody who's good at all of these different kinds of tasks. So I'm not good at, you know, operational stuff or technology. So I build a group of uh, a team and I, that's one of the first hires I make. I'm not necessarily the most outgoing life of the party type person. <clears throat> so I always try to have friends around me who are those types of people who, you know, maybe push me into different social situations that I would otherwise shy away from. Uh, I have a tendency to get super emotional sometimes, like I'm half Italian. And sometimes the Sicilian in me comes out and the, temp the temper can come out and I get fired up and all that. So it's smart for me to have people around me who are calming, who are not as emotional, right? And so I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to find balance. And when, when I talk to salespeople and say, you know, hey, what do you think is going on, you know, with your performance or whatever, it's uncommon that people are able to look at themselves in the mirror and really criticize themselves and say, I'm not super good at this. This is what I'm doing wrong, whatever. <clears throat> and so one trick when you're working with people is to have a rep listen to some other reps and give them critical feedback and then turn the mirror on them and say, what are the things that you saw in Alex during his role play that you also do? And it softens people up. They feel a little less defensive sometimes as opposed to just saying, Hey, Alex, what are the things you're weak at? So I've got to like, you got to teach people a little bit to lean into self-awareness and vulnerability and admit the things that they're not super strong at. Yeah. It almost, it's like, you're not alone that way. It's like, it's so many times, like if we're, if you're asking something, well, what could you improve upon or what could you do better? It's then it's like, man, everyone's going to judge me. It's like, I'm the only one with this problem as opposed to, okay, Hey, you noticed something you actually had to do the critical thinking to kind of notice it yourself. It wasn't somebody else that noticed it. How do you, how can you relate to, to, to doing that? It's much easier to be like, yeah, oh my gosh, I do that all the time. Or that's a, here's how yeah. that looks to me. Yeah. Um, well, you think, you think about the sales rep who comes running to their manager and says, what am I doing wrong, Alex? I'm, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. What am I doing wrong? Well, the sales manager can tell him, well, you're not doing this, that, and the other. The smart sales manager would say, well, what do you think is going wrong? And then let the salesperson speak. It's no different than therapy. If you came to therapy and said, you know, I'm upset, I'm depressed, I don't know what's going on. My first words would be, well, what do you think is going on? What's making you feel that way? Right? You don't just jump in and tell, tell somebody the answer. You help them arrive at the answer on their own. Yeah. And you're just kind of guiding them and steering them that way. Yeah. I'm, uh, you know, and this kind of, kind of leads into like your book addicted to the process It's something I'm, uh, you know, it's, it's a few years old now, but it's, it's just kind of one of those timeless things that the process of sales is very much like that, 
uh, you know, kind of addiction process or therapy process, you don't tell an, an addict they, they have a problem, like they get defensive or, yeah. you know, Hey, like, Hey, you got to really clean yourself up or like you're a mess or what, is, what's wrong with you? Like that just gets them to dig in harder. Same thing with like sales. Like the more I tell, uh, uh, someone, Hey, look, like you're really, you know, kind of missing the boat here. You're really, um, you're, 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 I, I hear so many times like, Hey, like, um, well, I'm glad that you told me X, Y, and Z about your company. Here's what a lot of times people say, just like you, because they have the same exact problems, just like you. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's where they, they let off as opposed to just like, well, why do you think it's like that? You know, help me understand where you're coming from that way. Or like, how did it, how did you get here? How did you get this part Hard, the how did you get here part is is a good question to ask you know it's like all right well how did this problem start yeah what are some of the things that you've tried to fix this particular problem so far yeah. okay you understand why it's important to fix it yeah all right why does now feel like the right time to fix it as opposed to six months ago or two years ago? What, what makes right now different? What are you willing to do now that you've never been willing to do before? And you, you ask all these types of questions and you hear their answers and the answers give you clues into this person's state of mind. Hmm. Who they are, how they think, how they solve problems, how risk adverse they are, how frivolous they are. Uh, how emotional they are, how ROI kind of engineer solution minded they might be. All of these things are clues and you listen for those clues and you adjust and tailor your approach depending on who you talk to. And only after every, everybody involved on the other side of the table, the prospect, only after they understand they have a problem and why it's important to fix and why they should do something about it now. And they're sort of telling you, they're almost pitching you these things. Only then is somebody like truly interested in you and what your solution is or what your product is. Up until that point, they're not really super interested in it. They're not willing to hear it. Uh, and, you know, people screw that up, I think, far too often. Yeah. I, I agree. Let me um, ask you just kind of like a tactical thing. Have you ever tried this approach maybe to a new person you've, you've uh, tried to get business from on LinkedIn? Um, because I think this is like so critical and people just miss this so much when they connect and then just right off the bat, they're launching into, to, uh, I get it from recruiters all the time. Hey, Alex, like, would you be interested in XYZ job for this much money as a, as opposed to just, you know, seeing if I have a problem where, where like, Hey, Alex, like, do you have 30 minutes to talk about a, an awesome opportunity or, you know, do you, do you have a way or, or see how, uh, yeah, those are too direct even from, I mean, if I was the recruiter yeah, and you are somebody I was trying to yeah. talk to about the job, right. My, my connection request to you would be something to the effect of Alex, looks like you've been with such and such company for a little while. Not sure if you're looking to make a move or not, but if you ever are, happy to help. 
by the way, listen to your podcast episode with Scott. Yeah. Loved it. Keep up the good work. Yeah. And then I'd shut the fuck up. <laughs> and I would see whether or not you connect with me. Number one, if you do, that's a good sign and signal. If do you reply? And then if you reply, I take the conversation, you know, from there. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I don't need I mean, to message you straight away and be like, Hey, can I get 30 minutes of your time to talk to you about this new gig? Why? You don't even know if Alex is unhappy or not. I know. I know. I've every, I've never had it's that is such a simple approach. And I hope, you know, I'll go back and people can listen to this if they're a recruiter, but it seems so simple at, but 99% of the things are, you know, love your background at Docebo. You'd be a perfect fit for X, Y, Z. I've only been there for like a year and a half. I wasn't a perfect fit a year and a half ago when I applied. So to what does company. it mean? What about, what, what about my background? Did yeah. you love? What's the top contact? There's, There's no, nothing there. No, everybody know. Everybody knows now that kind of message is copy pasted and there's nothing special or unique about it whatsoever. Yeah. It's just the perpetrator being lazy and yeah. not wanting to do some extra work. Yeah. Um, you know what, but, and then the last thing I'll say is people do, you can see people try people attempt and they say, you know, or maybe make a video like Alex, like great background at Docebo and maybe met, mention some tertiary things, but then it's the pivot right to the ask right away. Um, as opposed to that, where you're like, Hey, not sure if you'd be interested or not, but if you ever are hit me up. Yeah. Or also add in there a little line, like, hey, I'm not sure if you're interested, but thought maybe you'd know somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And then it gives an option of getting a referral potentially out of the person. For sure. Right. And if you're a recruiter in our little example here, you really don't care if it's Alex or Alex's referral. No. Mm -mm. You're just trying to find, find good people, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um. Can you talk a little bit like, so what you do on a day-to-day -day basis, a little bit about kind of maybe some of the key messages that you are, you know, uh, when you're meeting with like a new, like you're meeting with a lot of new, like fast growth startups um, and they're, you know, kind of looking for, yeah, they're looking to grow their sales teams. How are you approaching them, you know, with what you can offer that maybe like someone else can't, because there's a lot of people that do probably what you do, you know, coaching consultants, what is, uh, you know, uh, why do you think your approach resonates with, uh, those, those startup, uh, CEOs and founders? Why does my approach resonate? Um, I mean, number one, I did the work. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> You've been there. You've been yeah. in the trenches. Well, I haven't just been, I'm not somebody, I'm not right said Fred with a one single and then off I go or <laughs> nice. vanilla ice or whatever. Great nineties references here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I did this shit six times over. So while I hear you say, you know, there's lots of other people who do this. I actually sit here and think to myself, there's not that many people who did it six times as an oh. operator in the same exact stage. So I actually believe I am a little bit of a special butterfly because yeah. there's not that many people who did it this many times. 
Yeah. So that's true. Hopefully there's a certain amount of experience and credibility that comes along with that. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, part of my approach is that I don't do everything for you. Mm. And I'm very upfront about that. And there's some people who want everything done for them. <clears throat> they just want the sales playbook built and written and the sales pitches are out there and comp plans designed and <laughs> forecasts made and all that. Well, I'm not going to do that. That's not, that's not what I'm interested in. What I'm interested in is teaching founders and VPs of sales how to build and set up a sales organization for long-term success. So my goal is to teach you how to do this so you never have to hire somebody like me ever again. And for some people, that approach resonates. And for those people, I'm the right fit and they're the right fit for me. The people who want to learn how to do this and kind of co-author and build these things together. Some of that may go back to the teacher in me rather than somebody who's just like, get out of the way, Alex, we do this for you, <laughs> right? When I was a sales manager, I can't even tell you how many times reps would try to hand me the phone and be like, close the deal for me, you know? Mm. And as a rookie sales manager in your early days, you grab the phone and you close the deal and you look like a fucking hero, right? And you feed your own ego and the deal is in and all that. But you really did a disservice to that rep. And I think about this the same way. I could go in there and build all this shit for these founders, but I'm doing them a disservice. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel good about that, mm -hmm. right? So combination of experience and, uh, you know, a philosophy on this stuff that maybe is a little different from some other people. And when you, you know, are that strong in your convictions about who you are, and again, going back to your self-awareness, I'm sure there's deals that you're like, man, this could be large. This could be a lot of money to me, potentially, or a nice name, potentially, yeah. but, but not a, a fit for what you believe in. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's been a painful lesson a few times for me in the last couple of years, you know, there's a few times where I kind of in my gut thought that this might not be the right fit. And I took the deal anyway. Okay. okay. And it wasn't, wasn't a good idea, you know? So I have learned and I'm getting stronger and stronger in my conviction about who's the right fit, who's not, who do I want to work with and why. And I'm not starved over here, you know, um, you talked about my, when I go approach people, I don't really don't approach anybody, Alex. Okay. To be honest with you. I haven't prospected for my consulting business once in two years. Hmm. Not once, you know, I'm blessed and fortunate that, um, everything comes inbound or referral based, you know, through networks and all this kind of stuff. So they find me. And then I talk to them about, you know, my philosophy and how I think sh things should be done. And if it makes sense, great. And if it doesn't, I really don't care. You know, I'm, I'm at a stage in, in my career and life where I don't always need the money. And sometimes I'd rather have a blank calendar than a calendar doing something for the wrong reason with the wrong people.
Yeah. Uh, it seems like that influences your approach and how you carry yourself like that free or that indifferent, that not being held to anybody, but yourself. And, you know, like obviously, you know, pipeline, uh, healthy pipeline and, and that sort of thing, you know, kind of influences just who you are, but it seems like, you know, you're not looking at it necessarily, uh, you know, in terms of like, yeah, like, you know, needing anything, like you're happy, you're content. Um, yes, you're, you're driven, you know, I have seen you put stuff out there about kind of what you've made over the years and how you've grown. But, um, I think you, you know, the driving force in that is just being free to kind of, uh, yeah, not well, one of the, you know, one of the ways that you, or I at least have created this kind of freedom is I've diversified really well. Mm. So I don't just have a consulting business, right? I have a surf and sales business. I have a Thursday night sales business. I've got a large Patreon group that in and of itself is, you could call it business. Uh, I, I have my own real estate holding company. I've written three books that I get royalty checks from. I've got affiliate partnerships all over the place that I get paid from sometimes. Uh, every now and then I do some private sales coaching, VP sales coaching, things like that. I do SKOs and right. So there's all these different streams of income coming in. So if any one thing dries up for a period of time, I don't really care that much. Because if these other things are flowing the way they're supposed to be, I'm all right, you know? And I live way beneath my means. I'm not a flashy person whatsoever. I could give two shits about driving a Tesla or a Lamborghini, you know? <laughs> I don't need a fancy mansion or any of that kind of stuff. I know who I am, what I like what I need. I never dreamed in a million years I'd earn the kind of income that I'm earning right now. So you could shut off 80% of my income and I'd probably be fine. Mm. That is empowering. And that is freedom mm. to do mostly, not entirely, but mostly what I want to do with who I want to do it with, when I want to do it, where I want to do it. And that has been a guiding kind of goal and aim of mine for a long, long time. You know, took me 15 plus years to get there mm -hmm. of grinding all the time and being a VP of sales and getting into the office at 6 a.m. and leaving at 7 p.m. and working all the time. But, you know, now I'm kind of, reaping some of the rewards so yeah um curious how, then how do you look about adding things do you do you look at like um a, a point where you're done adding things because it seems like um every year there's something that you're doing there's another book there maybe a community um how have you how have you what have you learned from from what's worth adding uh, uh in that equation because right now it seems like you're good 
I would, if I'm you, I don't need to, to add anything, but I'm sure there's going to be something that you're really interested in yeah. book idea. Well, it's, it's, it's tough for me because I don't do well doing nothing. <laughs> and so oh, you tell me. You're, you're... in one breath, I'm like, okay, my goal is to continue to earn well and maybe earn more while working less. <laughs> but in the second breath, I know that if I have less to do, some idea is going to formulate and I'm going to end up taking action on it, which is a blessing, but also a curse, I think, you know, um, so I'm not really trying to add new stuff right now. I'm not trying to build any other companies or, you know, write any more books or any of that. I'm, I feel like I'm done with all that kind of stuff, but I, I also know that I'm restless and uh, I'm trying to learn to calm that restlessness a little bit, but it's not easy, man, when you've been, you know, wound up, if you will, for so long. Right. And even before I started working, you know, you know, losing four years of your life, like I did yeah. to illness and coming out the other side, it's like, I know what it's like to have a limited amount of time. And I know that we only have so many opportunities and I really don't want to squander anything. So there's this insane sense of urgency hmm. that I have and this constant anxiety of the rug getting pulled out from under me at any moment. So I better get done everything that I can get done and I better get it done now. Hmm. Trying to unlearn that after 22 years is not easy. And it's a blessing and a curse sometimes, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, um, you know, that's, that's part of who you are. I mean, it seems like you, 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 you know, yourself, you know, yourself, like kind of like the, the two sides of that coin. And, 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 you know, like you said, you, you have to, you know, you'll get restless, but you kind of have to tamper it down. But I mean, that's part of your story is, is kind of that experience. Like you said, I think yeah. I heard you say being flat backed, something about just being paralyzed. I mean, you had colon cancer, I think you had all sorts yeah. of immune disease. I mean, you know, nine, nine major surgeries and, you know, overcoming opioid addiction along the way, you know, that, that changes, changes you you know, yeah. and gives you a different perspective. Um, and there's advantages to it and disadvantages. It's a superpower and a super weakness sometimes, you know, can, do you have a story of like how you're, because you're, you seem like you're, you are emotional ways you're, you're, you, you know, vulnerability, it seems like it's a huge superpower. I know that's like a trendy thing to say, um, you know, I need to be more vulnerable. Let's be vulnerable, but you're not, you, you have a natural vulnerability about you where you don't have to you know, there's probably a lot of personal things I'm sure about you that would be great things to put on LinkedIn or a diary about Scott Lee that people would a thousand likes later and be all over, but you, you don't do that necessarily, but you on the same other coin, I do see you, you know, not caring about what you say, uh, or not, maybe you care, but you just, you're, you're real super intentional about it. Um, even though it can be, um, maybe controversial to some, uh, you know, stop killing black people, just a simple LinkedIn post that uh, probably lost you some business, gained you some business, gained you some followers, yeah. just controversial. But um, so talk about how you think vulnerability has 
you know, maybe helped you in your, your, uh, career, um, you know, stories of that, or even maybe. I think there's, there's a way to be vulnerable because it's just part of your story and part of who you are. Mm -hmm. And there's a way to be vulnerable and craft a narrative designed to get you adoration Mm -hmm. and get you attention. Mm -hmm. And I really don't care about adoration and attention whatsoever. In fact, you, you know, I get super uncomfortable when it starts to come my way. You know, I'm okay being on screen, you know, at Thursday night sales, but the moment people start saying something nice about me, I, I want to like turn my camera off and run away, and plug my ears. I don't want all that, that stuff. I, I think it, the part where the vulnerability helped me the most, I think is because so many salespeople come from trauma and fucked up scenarios, whether it's health or family or addiction or just being lost and not knowing who the hell they are and trying to find a place they fit in and belong. And the old stereotypical sales leader is, you know, some Stanford, ex-Stanford grad or Cornell grad who played lacrosse with his fucking Patagonia sweater and grease in his hair that is perfectly coiffed and doesn't blow in the wind. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm like, I don't relate to that fucking guy at all. I relate to somebody different. And so I think when I, you know, got into sales leadership and talk the way that I talk, dress the way that I dress, act the way that I act, I think there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, I can relate to that because I came from a bunch of stuff. I overcame a bunch of stuff and I don't want to be a sellout. And I think that that is the part that has probably served me well. Cool. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Cause everyone, that's why I, 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 I'm intentionally put the word, you know, by being human, the word human, because we all have stuff. We all have all these experiences, the, the greatest, call it a weapon or strength or whatever we have. Like we, you know, the, the last person I had on this podcast, Andy Paul, he said, like, we, we are so caught up in selling to personas and not people. Um, and when did we stop that? You know, when, when did, um, like sales is always be between two human beings. Yes. You know, people are, trying to automate the process and take salespeople out of it. But unless you take the buyer, the human being out of the buyer side, you can't take it out of the, you know, the, the sales side that doesn't work. You can't take, you know, automate the sales side. And then, you know, there's a human being on the other end, you know, and and we're not going to take both people out of that equation. At least I don't know, think in my lifetime with, with AI. So it's like, not anytime soon, at least, not anytime right? soon. Yeah. Let's hope, but like, so it's, 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 we all have these unique things and we don't lean on them enough. Like you, you're leaning on all these, these experiences, your, your self-awareness and people, you know, salespeople have so much strength in that. Cause like, as soon as that click happens where someone's like, I'm dealing with a real person here, I'm dealing with someone who's just trying to get to know me. They're not the sales person that I uh, know, because I even think of it. Like I, I see it on LinkedIn. If I'm reaching out to somebody, some, someone sees my title, AE Docebo. Oh, if he's connecting with me, he's got us here. Where's the pitch coming? It's going to come. 
it's, you know, I've even had people, what do you, what do you need, Alex? What are you, what are you talking about here? Hey, I'm just trying to get to know you, man. Like I, I noticed something I wanted to say was cool. That's it. You know, but that, but our guards are up yeah. all the time and it's hard to break them down. I don't know what you think. Well, we're bombarded with those messages. You know, you can't, you can't get away from it, whether it's email or phone or text or LinkedIn inbox or Twitter DMs or anywhere you go, you know, and we're on all the time. We've become numb to notifications now. And so you've got to somehow cut through. And the irony is the only way to cut through is to go back in time, if you will, and start by getting to know somebody and actually having a connection and a, and a relationship there and taking your time rather than blasting through in this transactional kind of manner and trying to, you know, get somebody's business. Yeah. Um, I know we're kind of coming to the end, kind of wrapping things up. So, so to that, let's like talk about connecting with you um, and, and how people can do it. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions and I'll, I'll, I'll ask you a, a fun question about you. Is that right. sound cool? All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's your, what's been your favorite joy? Uh, you're, you're, you're wearing a hat for those of you that'll see this clip. I mean, those of you that can't are hearing this, you can't see, but Scott's mom uh, really kind of like his look is, is always, he has a pray for surf hat on uh trucker hat on right now. So my question is what's, what's been your favorite moment on the water surfing? What's, what's been your, one of your greatest joys oh been being out on the water? I'm sure you have a lot, but yeah. tell me about it. Favorite moment. I, I, I did one trip to Nicaragua, Nicaragua, um, five, six years ago, maybe with a group of friends, maybe 10 of us. And we were the only people on this beach for a week straight. And we were all like, what is happening? Did, you know, did the whole, did, every, did, did, you know, Thanos like kill half the population <laughs> or what? Like, where are human beings? And it was just this like miraculous situation that does not occur if you're a surfer. Um, and we had the run of the place for a week and it was just, absolutely unbelievable probably the best surf experience that i've ever had that sounds amazing awesome um what about you know you got liverpool in the background what's uh it's been the greatest uh match uh some you know you're a huge fan what, what what's your favorite favorite moment watching them well i mean we we won the premier league two years ago i guess now for the first time in a long time. We won the Champions League a few times. Um, but there was a game a couple of years ago in the Champions League. We were playing Barcelona and we were losing 3 nothing, And we came back and won. And that was just like phenomenal to watch. One of my favorite, you talked about freedom earlier. One of my favorite joys in life now is when Liverpool plays midweek, It'll be on in the afternoon here, like one o'clock in the afternoon, my time. And I just get to clear my calendar and go sit on the couch on a Wednesday afternoon nice. and watch the soccer game and take a little break. One of the great joys of life right now. That is, that is huge. I mean, you got all the things going on and, you, you know, uh, 
clearing off an afternoon to do that. Many people might yeah. not expect that out of you. Clear, clear two hours, go sit on the couch. Cool. Last two questions you you've, you know, heard if you're listening to this, uh, you know, kind of working out wherever, um, you've heard some, some, some dogs in the background. What are your dog's names? What, what are, what kind of dogs are they for And what my dog is prompting the, the barking? Well, I have window cleaners who have just showed up to do some work. And so the dogs are not very happy about this. They're, they're a little protective. They have what we call fence aggression, if you know what that means, um, which is hilarious because they are super tall Chihuahua Italian Greyhound Whippet mixes. So they basically look like a Chihuahua on stilts. That's basically what they look like. They weigh about 12 to 15 pounds. Um, one boy, one girl, the boy's name is Loki after the God of mischief. And, uh, the girl's name is Mia. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're super snuggly and wonderful until you try to invade their space apparently. And then they go nuts and try to wreck your podcast episode. That's hilarious. It didn't wreck it at all. So my, I thought, it, I thought my dogs, I'm at my mom's house today and, um, uh, they have, uh, two dogs, uh, sparkles. That's like a shih tzu chihuahua little mini probably your loki or whatever little dog that's goes nuts but then um another one's like a i don't know um just a lab or something like that that just barks incessantly and they're just i don't know if they're out they're not doing anything right now so they're just it was the other way around so um all right last question um i i think we all have these things that are unique about us that people say you know what i look at scott i look at alex that thing that they do is just totally them and I think we can relate to that. We related on our dogs, but it's like, it's a fun question. So it's just like, what, if I asked your wife, your kids, like something that happened to Scott, something that is just so totally Scott, um, what would that be? If you, if you, if, if I asked them, like, what is just something that is, you know, could only, or would only happen to, to Scott Lease or something that you only do? I mean, something would like, I would be asked to put something together some sort of like (laughs) household appliance type thing or something like that. Okay. And I would get completely confused and flustered and have a total inability to do it (laughs) and just sort of throw my hands in the air and be like, fuck this. What am I wasting my time (laughs) trying to put this thing together for? Can we just pay somebody to do this? And then my 14 year old son would sort of say, let me look at the instructions and he'd put it together in like five seconds. That, that's <laughs> probably what would happen because the people who know me best know that I'm mostly useless at real life. Quote, tweet that. Mostly yeah. useless. And it, yeah, I like, well, you're pretty, pretty, pretty good. Apparently. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Larry, Larry, David and Curb Your Enthusiasm is uh, my spirit animal. He guides me behind me. I love it. Uh, Scott, man, I can't wait to see you in person in a few weeks. I'm going to, uh, uh, to, to, to Destin to Fort Walton beach, and we're going to hang out, but yeah, and have a good time, but where can people learn more about, you know, you Thursday night sales, the community and just everything uh, you do. Yeah. Well, Thursday night sales.com. You check it out. It's a virtual sales happy hour every Thursday night. You can go to surfandsales.com. Check out not only our podcast, but our events down in Costa Rica a couple times a year. And uh, you can always hit me up on LinkedIn and, and you can learn about my consulting 
business if you're an early stage founder or VP. It's just scottleaseconsulting.com. Awesome. And come at him with something you heard on, on the podcast and he, he just might accept it and chat you. Yeah. Up. I reply to every message. That's pretty good. That's pretty, wild, pretty, man. with pretty good. Everything you have. Scott, man, thank you so much for, for jumping on today. All right, Alex. Thanks, man. All right, buddy. Hey, gang. All right. Wow. You made it to the end. I know your time is valuable. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly to tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right. See you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Human.